Welcome to Healthy Aging with South Coast Health, the podcast that shows you how to live a longer and healthier life, showcasing doctors, clinicians, and patient stories. The goal of South Coast Health is to help and inspire you to navigate your health journey with knowledge, comfort, and ease. Hi, everyone. I'm Patricia Raskin, host of Healthy Aging with South Coast Health. Our guest today is Dr. John Ponte. Dr. John Ponte graduated with his Bachelor of Arts degree, magna cum laude, from the University of Massachusetts Amherst. He then went on to further his medical expertise, graduating with his Doctor of Medicine degree from UMass Medical School in Worcester, Mass. Dr. Ponte completed his residency at Brown Family Medicine in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, before moving on to complete his fellowship at UMass Sports and Exercise Medicine in Worcester, Mass. He is board certified through the American Board of Family Medicine, and during his fellowship training, Dr. Ponte was a team physician for the AAA Worcester Red Sox, as well as the University of Massachusetts Amherst and Holy Cross. Dr. Ponte specializes in sports medicine. Dr. Ponte's philosophy of care is centered around believing that a physician should strive to educate, inform, and empower their patients to make the best clinical decisions. As he's trained in primary care, he also believes in treating the patient as a whole and taking them into account all of their medical conditions and history when treating them. He's an avid sports fan and is especially passionate about baseball. In addition, Dr. Ponte volunteers at a summer camp for children infected with or infected by HIV AIDS. Welcome, Dr. Ponte. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be on this show with you. And um, I very much have been looking forward to our discussion, particularly about healthy aging, as that's something I talk to my patients about every single day. So thank you again. Oh, you're welcome. I think that's going to be my first question, Dr. Ponte. Older adults or active agers who are very active, who have been athletic in their early years and are still active, what tips would you give to them to stay active and healthy? That's an excellent question. And, you know, that is something that I I discuss with my patients every single day because, you know, we all want to live a healthier lifestyle. You know, we all want to become more physically active. You know, I think for folks who are able to continue that physical activity level from their younger years into their older years, you know, it it requires a, a change in perspective and a change in your mentality. You know, in our younger years when we're playing sports, often our goals are very different than what they may be when we're older in that, you know, you you may no longer be playing for that championship game. You know, you may no longer be training for that half marathon, but you still want to be physically active. And so one piece of advice that I often give to my patients is, you know, to make sure that you, you train according to what your goals now are. So that might be simply being able to stand up and walk across the room pain-free. Or it very well might be getting on a bike and being able to ride a, you know, down the road with your friends or whatever it might be. And I think you know, often we have particular goals when we're young and we, we forget that we have to change those goals as we get older because our bodies are different. You know, our bodies change as we get older. There's, there's actually a physical change. There's something called collagen yeah. within our muscles and tendons. And as we older, there's a transition from one type of collagen to another. So our body's ability to be resilient and to be able to endure different physical activities 
changes. And so often, you know, part of what what my job is to do is to help people understand that change and to then be able to reflect back on what it is that they're doing physically that may have contributed to whatever it is that they're seeing before. And I think also as we get older, older adults, even active agers, are prone to falls because our balance changes. Do you think that if we've been active when we're younger, that will help us as we get older in preventing falls, or there's still several things we need to do to maintain our balance? Yeah, and, and, and falls can be such a devastating injury, um, you know, especially when you consider that bones become less dense as we get older and more fragile and susceptible to fracture. You know, particularly fractures of the hip or the spine can be terribly life altering. And so, you know, maintaining strength in the lower extremities, the legs, and in the core is very important for minimizing fall risk. And, you know, I think, unfortunately, with our modern lifestyles, we all spend too much time sitting. So, one thing I often recommend is getting into a good walking program. You know, walking activates most of our body's muscles, especially our core and our legs. And those are the muscles that we need to maintain as we get older. Um, If you don't have that good foundation and you try to do more complex physical activity, then you're you're more susceptible to falls, which can be potentially dangerous. And also, um, walking is great for the brain. It's one of the best exercises for the brain. Absolutely. It does more than one thing. Especially if you can get outdoors and you can enjoy, you know, being out in the sun or being out in fresh air. Um, You know, it does wonders for, you know, not just your physical health, but your general well-being and your mental health. I completely agree. So if someone is an older adult, and we can define older differently, so I'll I'll let our listeners define what that means. Would they see a sports medicine physician or would they see an orthopedic physician or surgeon? Again, another great question. And I, I think what you've highlighted is the fact that sports medicine is really a misnomer. It's, it's, not, it's really not correctly named as a specialty because I do see patients of all ages, not just sports-related patients or athletes. Um, you know, the idea behind sports medicine is more of a, a, a non-surgical approach to musculoskeletal conditions. So, you know, what does that mean? Well, well, most people who have musculoskeletal conditions don't necessarily need surgery or may not want to move towards surgery as quickly and may want to explore other treatments. So, so yes, I see patients of all ages and, and of all joints. You know, that's another benefit of seeing a sports medicine physician is you're not just seeing a shoulder specialist or an ankle or knee specialist. Mm-hmm. You're seeing someone, you know, who looks at your body as a whole and can guide treatment accordingly. Um, so, so yeah, I see patients of all ages, of all physical activity levels, um, whether that's a recreational athlete or what I like to refer to as our industrial athletes, you know, people who are out and working in industry doing manual labor and, and of course, accruing damage to their joints and muscles, right. um, or, or even people, you know, in their later years who may be retired and just simply trying to get back to a healthy lifestyle or trying to minimize the pain that, that's been bothering them and affecting their quality of life. What are the most common conditions that you are seeing? So in light of what I just said, it, it depends on the age bracket. You know, for 
a lot of my younger patients, you know, the ones who are coming in for sports-related injuries, it's common in, you know, things like ankle sprains or rotator cuff strains, you know, muscle issues. Um, in, in some of the patients in their middle ages, though, that's when you get into the overuse kind of injuries. Overuse meaning, you know, people who have to do repetitive motion throughout the day. You know, maybe they work on an assembly line and they are actually doing the same motion a thousand times. Um, or maybe they're caring for a relative or family member, and that requires re repetition and movement. Um, so common injuries in the middle ages are typically things, you know, like you might have heard of tennis elbow or golfer's elbow, um, where the tendons have become stressed over time and haven't been able to heal. Um, and then certainly as, as we all get older, we develop a certain amount of arthritis. You know, unfortunately, to this point in time, there's no way around that. And arthritis is an irreversible process where our joints begin to break down. And, you know, eventually you get to a point where that causes pain. And so especially in, in my older patients, arthritis becomes the predominant issue that I treat. Can you work with arthritis in terms of pain reduction? And also, are there anti-inflammatory foods that will help um, improve the condition of arthritis? Yeah, and I, I think what you just said is really a point that I like to highlight is, you know, in terms of treating arthritis, unfortunately, there's no way to reverse what already is. So unless you replace the joint surgically, meaning you remove the damaged bone and you put in a prosthetic, there's no way to reverse it, but you can manage it. And I like to focus more on reduction of pain and increased function. You know, trying to help people reorient their goal to, you know, maybe their, the arthritis in their knee is limiting them right now, but if, you know, we may not be able to reverse that disease or cure that disease, we can at least manage the pain so they can get back to the activity they want to be doing. Now, you brought up anti-inflammatories. Those are certainly part of our first line of treatment. Anti-inflammatories come in a few different forms. So there are pills that are anti-inflammatories. Those are things like naproxen, Aleve, ibuprofen. That class of medicine works within your body to reduce inflammation. And as arthritis is an inflammatory condition, it causes inflammation, reducing that can also help reduce pain. Other forms of anti-inflammatories are via injection. So often patients will ask about cortisone. Cortisone is an injectable medicine that works in a similar way where it reduces inflammation, but because you're injecting it into a joint, it works much more potently and directly at the source of the pain. So that's another anti-inflammatory. Often though, I, in discussion with patients, a lot of times people want to avoid medication or injections. And you know, you asked about certain foods and there are there, are, there is some emerging evidence, you know, over time that certain foods may help to reduce inflammation. You know, again, especially in the field of nutrition and in relation to arthritis, there, there hasn't been a tremendous amount of, our, of evidence to support. But look, I think with dietary modification and choices, you can certainly impact your body's overall health and inflammation. What specific foods do you think might be helpful in terms of anti-inflammatory effects? So it'd be easier to go through a list of what to avoid okay. because often processed foods are very highly inflammatory. So if it comes in a box, a bag, or a wrapper, it's probably been processed. And if it's been processed, it likely will increase the inflammation in your body. A lot of that's from the sugar. So sugar content within food is very inflammatory. So avoiding those kinds of foods can be helpful. 
Um, there, there's also some evidence that foods like turmeric, which is a natural, you know, it's a spice that can be used in various foods, which can also be found in tablets, can reduce inflammation. So those are a couple that, you know, turmeric, um, and then actually fish oil is something that is commonly used to reduce inflammation naturally. Again, you know, there isn't a whole lot of, you know, there isn't strong evidence, but if it's not causing harm, it's certainly worth trying, in my opinion, as well as making healthier choices like avoiding the process. So. What are some healthy exercises, not only to prevent injuries, but to help with conditions like arthritis? So healthy exercise, is, it's actually, it's, it's, it's a more nuanced answer because it's really dependent upon the person. So there really isn't one broad generalization for exercise that applies to everyone. It's not like it's one size fits all. Um, there's a couple, you know, tenants to exercise that are important and that I try to explain um, to all of my patients. You know, number one, exercise has to be individual. So it has to be based upon your general health. It has to be based upon your goals. Number two, it has to be specific. So it has to be able to help you achieve those goals. So in terms of, let's say, arthritis, you know, things like strengthening the surrounding muscles of that joint are incredibly important. And you have to do specific exercises to do that. You know, a lot of times people will say, well, I am active. I am doing a lot. Why do I need to do physical therapy for my knee arthritis? And part of my answer is, well, you might need to do more specific exercises, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because I do have arthritis in my hip, and I do a lot of exercise at the gym. I work on the weights. What I find is, though, I have to be careful because if I overwork the muscle, then I'm in pain. But if I do enough, then I feel good. I don't have the pain. So it's it's kind of a fine line that I find. But I know that it's very important for me to be moving those joints, particularly in the lower part of my body. Absolutely. You know, actually, one of the worst things you can do for arthritis of any sort is to stop moving that joint, because what arthritis wants to do is it wants to stiffen up. And so like you've just illustrated, there is a certain amount of exercise you need to do to keep that joint loose and strong. Now, certainly you can overdo it and that can flare pain up. And part of what a sports medicine physician's job to do is to help you understand specifically and individually, what is that correct balance? What should you be doing? It can be difficult if you, you know, if you go online and try to look up a general program because it might not apply to you. And then the other side of that is progression over time. You know, your exercise program today may not work in three months because your body adapts to that. And your body is really good at adapting. And you have to constantly be changing what you're doing so that your body continues to maintain strength and develop. Do you think that people with arthritis or any joint conditions should do more exercising, in other words, more repetitions, but a lighter weight than pushing the heaviest weight they can for shorter reps? What do you think about that? That is a debate in the field of exercise medicine at this point in time. I think that either one is good when done correctly. What I mean by that is you can get into trouble if you're doing too many repetitions at, at too high of a frequency, even if it is low weight. And you can also certainly get into trouble if you're doing very high weights, even if it's low frequency. 
So you want to have a, a, a good amount of balance. And realistically, um, you know, for arthritis, you don't want to do too much high impact. That's one of the most important pieces I try to tell my patients. High impact are things like jumping, running, things that cause a lot of stress on your joints. You know, riding a stationary cycle, going on an elliptical, swimming, those are low impact and those are fantastic for your joints. So it really depends on what you're doing that would help answer, you know, duration and frequency and intensity. But that's a great question. Hmm. Let's talk about regenerative orthopedic medicine, ROM. What does that mean and how is that utilized? So regenerative medicine is an emerging field. I mean, it's been around for over 20 years, but a lot of these new practices are starting to gain steam. And, and you, you can hear them on the radio being marketed frequently. Regenerative medicine implies we are treating you in a way to try to heal damaged tissue, generally speaking. Now, there are various ways you can do that. Physical therapy and exercise is the natural way to do that. But for some patients, they don't get adequate results. And so regenerative medicine, you know, in the current treatment protocol, really means things like platelet-rich plasma, which is PRP. That's actually a, a, a treatment where you take your own blood, which has all forms of natural healing factors, so platelets, growth factors, things that stimulate healing, and you inject that right on damaged tissue or damaged joints, and perhaps that can stimulate healing. There's also a treatment called prolotherapy, which works in a slightly different way, but also tries to induce the body's own healing process. And then there are other clinics which have started doing things like stem cell treatments, um, bone marrow treatments. You know, unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of evidence for, for those treatments, and they can be quite costly. So, you know, I, I, I'm still reserving my judgment on those for now. But over time, we should be getting more and more regenerative treatment options as we get more data for them. What conditions would you use those treatments for, Dr. Ponte? So a lot of the regenerative medicine treatment tends to work best for soft tissue injuries, which are things like muscles and tendons, particularly tendons. You know, tendons don't have good natural blood supply, so they can't heal themselves very well. Tendons are things like your rotator cuff tendon, your Achilles tendon in your heel, your, your hip tendons with some of the muscles that attach on the hip. Those are frequent areas for damage to accrue over time. And unfortunately, the body can't heal very well or adequately. And so then we're left trying to stimulate further healing. Um, so golfer's elbow, tennis elbow, rotator cuff, Achilles. But those are a lot of the conditions that regenerative medicine is targeting. Is steroid injections, is that part of the regenerative medicine or is that something different? I would say steroid injections are a very helpful tool and part of the, you know, the standard of treatment for a lot of conditions. But actually, they're not part of regenerative medicine. And the reason I say that is because steroids are really purely to reduce inflammation. You know, and some, some amount of inflammation is good. It promotes healing. But too much inflammation causes pain. So, for example, again, the rotator cuff is a spot where we will inject steroids like cortisone to reduce inflammation. And it can have a dramatic improvement in symptoms rapidly. But it doesn't regenerate the tissue. It doesn't heal. In my opinion, those types of injections like steroids are best used in conjunction with therapy, in conjunction with rebuilding strength in those tendons and tissue. 
Otherwise, realistically, it's purely for pain. So you as a sports medicine physician will do injections when needed and prescribe some of the things we talked about, even the regenerative orthopedic medicine techniques. Do you also perform surgery? So I, I do not perform surgery in the traditional sense. I'm not, a, I'm not a trained surgeon. I actually did my training in primary care and family medicine and then spent additional time becoming fellowship trained in sports medicine. But I do perform minimally invasive procedures. Actually, I, I use an ultrasound machine um, so that I can visualize and actually see under the skin. I can see muscle and tendons and ligaments. And one of the quote-unquote surgeries that I can perform is called a needling procedure, where I will actually you know, anesthetize a tissue so it doesn't hurt, but then use a needle to break up scar tissue to get good blood flow to a tendon that might be in disrepair and promote healing. So I do perform some procedures that are invasive, but not the traditional surgical procedures. Would you say these are new procedures, that these are new, the ultrasound is new within 10 years or 15 years, that the other procedure you mentioned, the needling procedure, is fairly new? Well, they've been performing ultrasound-guided procedures for decades. It's just that in probably the last 15, 20 years, it's really caught on for how effective it is at treating musculoskeletal issues. Now, most people think of ultrasound as, as in obstetrics when you're looking at babies, but you can actually use that same exact device to actually visualize muscle, tendons, ligaments, fluid within joints. And so it's incredibly helpful because you're not doing procedures blindly. You can actually see the damaged tissue and you can direct treatment precisely to it. So these procedures have been done. They're tried and tested and proven to be effective. But over time, more and more, especially orthopedic groups like South Coast, have realized how effective of a treatment they are to offer to patients. For most of his life, Dan from Situate, Massachusetts, has struggled with obesity. Eight or 10 years old, I started getting you know chubby. By the time I graduated high school, I think I was between 275 and 300 went on a roller coaster and I'm ready to go and they, the guy comes walking up to me. My thighs were so big he couldn't get the, the latch to, to latch and I had to get off the ride. Okay, like enough is enough. So Dan contacted the South Coast Health Weight Loss Center. The program as a whole is what was the, the key to me picking them over Boston. And I was a 46 going into 48 and now I'm a 30 inch waist. South Coast Health Weight Loss Center has helped transform more than 6,500 lives. To learn more about how they can help you too, call 844-744-5544 or go to southcoast.org. I'm living proof to show if you put the work in on anything that you can get what you want. South Coast Health gave me the tools and here I am, you know, with my health forever. Take impossible, throw it out of your vocabulary. South Coast Health, more than medicine. I know that you've worked with athletes who have run marathons or been in other performance activities. What happens when one of these athletes comes to you after injury? Not just how do you help them physically, but how do you work with them emotionally? That's a, a tremendous question. And, and it's, it's certainly something that we see every day when dealing with athletes of all ages and of all sports and of all levels. It's a dramatic change in your life when from one moment to the next, you're no longer able to participate or play at a certain level that you became accustomed to. And I think the most important thing is to normalize 
some of the emotional response that goes along with that from the patient's perspective. You know, normalizing how this is depressing. This makes you anxious. It can also be very isolating. And that's very difficult for a lot of athletes who have spent their whole life around teammates and playing games and competition and no longer having that, whether it's even for a week or for years. I mean, that can be incredibly challenging. And I think, number one, you have to prepare athletes for that. Ahead of time. You know, it's helpful to, ahead of time, it's helpful to normalize it, to let them know, you know, listen, it's not a sign of weakness. It's not that, you know, you are failing if you're feeling this way. It is perfectly normal. And, And it actually opens the door for that to be discussed at future visits if that's what's going on. Because it's expected, it's normal to feel this way and to have that impact. Do you try to help that that person move into something else in sports that they can do more easily? Always, 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 always. You never want anyone to feel like they are they are isolated away. You know, even if they can't play, they can always be there. They can always participate whether that's simply cheering on their teammates or if there are certain exercises or drills that they can do. Um, You can always find a way to help an athlete stay relevant and stay participating. And that's so incredibly helpful for their mental health. And one example of this is concussions. So I treat concussions for athletes all year round because it's so common. And unfortunately, until their symptoms go away, they can't play. Now that might be a week, that might be three months. You can't predict that. Mm. And one of the biggest challenges we face is helping athletes cope and treat the mental health side of things, which is the depression and anxiety, the trouble sleeping, the appetite issues. And, and those are a challenge. But I think as long as you acknowledge them and you, you help normalize them for the athlete, it goes a long way. Oh. Powerful. Dr. Ponte. What do you see coming down the pike for the future? What do you see the future of sports medicine in the next five or 10 years with all of the new technologies that are starting to emerge? Well, I'm very, I'm very hopeful, you know, that, that there will be new treatments that become available for the chronic conditions that are stubborn, you know, especially arthritis. You know, if someone could find a way to rebuild cartilage, they'd put us all out of business, but that would be great because, you know, we could effectively treat arthritis, which is loss of cartilage. And unfortunately, right now, there isn't a whole lot of treatments available for that other than what we've discussed already in surgery. But I'm I'm optimistic that, you know, with some of the emerging technology, we may be able to do that, whether it's stem cells or something else that emerges. You know, certainly a lot of work is being done in, in that regard. And also, I think a recognition generally that non-surgical or what we in the field refer to as conservative management is a viable option for actually most patients. You know, you can conservatively treat without a scalpel many of the musculoskeletal injuries that come into an office. And so, you know, I, I work alongside our surgeons and we are constantly referring patients back and forth and building that relationship and that trust. And it's been incredibly beneficial to the patients. And I think over time, that, that will only improve. And I think that out, patient outcomes will improve as a result of that. Thank you so much. This has been very inspiring and enlightening and motivating. Thank you, Dr. John Ponte, for being on the program. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on this program and, and to be able to you know have this discussion because it's one that I enjoy having and one that I have frequently. So thank you. Thank you. 
Until next time, everyone, I'm Patricia Raskin, host of Healthy Aging with South Coast Health. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Healthy Aging with South Coast Health. To subscribe to this podcast, visit www.southcoast.org forward slash healthy dash aging. While you are there, we want to hear from you. Please take the time to complete a quick survey so we can learn more about the topics for upcoming episodes that you are most interested in to live a healthy lifestyle. Thank you to our hosts, Patricia Raskin and South Coast Health. This podcast is brought to you by creative content developer Raskin Resources Productions and produced by Virtually You.